Welcome back in. It's Jimmy B and TC. Got Wolfgang sitting in with me for one more segment today. And uh, we got a lot to get into. We talked the last portion of the program. We were talking about no more primetime league as that is done after 31 years. You can check that out over on the podcast page at 1700kbgg.com. Give us a download. If you miss any portion of the program, you can always find it over there with your favorite listening device. But from that Wolfgang, the the Big Four Classic, it's over. Did were you crying yesterday when the news came down? Um, you know, I always thought it was a nice idea. Um, I don't know that it was always awesome, but I was glad they did it and tried it. Um, yeah, I yes, I'm kind of mad it's not going on. Why you're not? Are you mocking me? No, no, not mocking you in any way. I just was never a big fan of it. And and the reason for it wasn't the event itself. I mean, in theory, it's a great idea. You bring in the four D1 programs and you have them play. All right, that's all well and good. The reason I was never a fan of it, though, is because of what we had for 20-plus years before that, and those were the home-and-home series where Iowa one year would make their way up to Cedar Falls and then get Drake at home, and then the following year to Knapp Center, and you and I would come in for a game. Those home-and-homes for... A lot of people, they were kind of a, a right of winner, flipping from football season and getting into basketball season. That was a big part of it. I loved those games. I thought it prepared both Iowa and Iowa State well, playing, though a winnable game most years, a game on the road that they normally wouldn't play. I thought it was a good thing. Yeah, other programs don't do this across the country. That's okay. We can do things differently in our state. That's why I was never a big fan because, well, it took away what we had before with the home-and-homes. Yeah, I never thought it truly worked. Um, not that it stunk. It didn't stink or anything like that, but I don't think it really truly worked um, totally, 100%. Um, I went to a couple of the games, and eh, it was all right. I mean, I was glad I went, but, you know, I mean, it wasn't that big a deal for me. It was more like being in Carver, which absolutely stinks. Um, I would say with Iowa and Iowa State, you're probably going to have a different opinion than I am. Maybe you're not. I don't know. But Iowa and Iowa State, I don't think, need to be in the Make-A-Wish, you know, foundation or whatever, and be in the charity business of handing out stuff to, to making young men better and, and for at Drake and UNI and transforming their lives like Make-A-Wish does. They don't need to do that. Iowa and Iowa State do not need to do that. And I think there's a quote out there, if you could look that up, Tramp, while I'm blabbing from Jamie Pollard, I don't think Iowa and Iowa State have to be in that business. It's not, I don't think, good for their programs. Iowa and Iowa State, as Jamie Pollard, I believe, said, um, but as Trent says, I'm a bad listener, so I may have heard that wrong. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that Iowa, Iowa, Iowa and Iowa State should be playing Drake and you and I, especially at their place. And I'm talking only at their place. And I already said you said one thing. I just remembered who I was listening to in the last segment. It was John Miller. I was I was thinking of John Miller that was saying all that crap, and it was you. But I'm pretty sure I heard you say that Iowa needs to play UNI at UNI, whether it's a two-for-one or something like that. I believe I'm not making that up, Grant. Please. Needs to? No. I, I agree with you in the sense that, yeah, this isn't socialism. They, they don't have to do anything. I disagree with you, though, that it's not a good thing. How many times has Iowa or Iowa State been left out of the NCAA tournament because of a loss? To Drake or you and I? I'll answer that for you. Zero. Well, are you going to wait till it happens, Trent Condon? 
then that's on them. But it has never happened before in the 20-plus years of that happening. And there were plenty of losses for both the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones to Drake and to you and I. How do you know the embarrassment of losing to you and I? Does it just make their season just go in the tank? You don't know that. You don't know the mind frame. Well, who's had a better program over the last two decades? Now we know where you stand, my friend. <laughs> I'm stating facts. You get really snotty. You get really snotty. Who's, who's had that. a better basketball program over the last 20 years? Iowa. You tell me you and I would do what Iowa has done in the Big Ten. That's, that's not. That's, that's not. That's not. That's not the question. You and I have. That's not the question. Answer that question. How many Big Ten tournament championships does you and I have, Mister uh, Panther Homer? Zero. How many regular season titles does Iowa have in my lifetime? Zero. Zero is the answer. How many Sweet 16s in the last 20 years? Zero. Zero is the answer. So we, we can go back so and forth. you're saying our coach needs to be fired. That's going That's too far, man. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I asked a question. You started moving the goalposts on me. Who's had a better basketball program over the last 20 years? Who has had more success? The answer is you and I. I love the things you get sensitive about. Success, considering what? Considering who they're playing in the MVC. It's Kansas? What would they do in Iowa? That Kansas win didn't count? That's not what we're talking about, though. That's not what we're talking about. And you know what? If Iowa was in the MVC, you know what? They wouldn't be getting that money from the Big Ten Network. They wouldn't be having $50 million a year coming in from television revenue that they currently have. So we're again we're moving the goalposts. You, I'm speaking you mean that great weightlifting facility that we got with the uh, the Iowa basketball gro- program. That we're all of a sudden realizing we need to dedicate ourselves to the weightlifting program. So we obviously haven't been using that. So I mean I don't I don't understand what you're saying. You and I in Iowa are on what are you saying on the same level in basketball? If if I know you're a Hawkeye fan as well, this is ridiculous that you think Iowa needs to give charity to you and I. That's it's, that's. They you're, need to look in the mirror and not, worry about you're them You're not first. listening. You're not listening. I said this isn't socialism. Iowa owes them absolutely nothing. What I said is who's been more successful over the last two decades? Who's had more success? I don't even... I'd say Iowa. Easy. Easy? Yeah. How many times have they won the Big Ten? Regular season? Again, we're talking Zero. M- Big Ten and NBC. Right, right. And we're also talking about a basketball budget of $20 million versus... Three million. All right, so we're grading on a curve again. Well, certainly you and I has done more. They've been to a Sweet Sixteen, correct? Against their peers, they've won regular season titles. Something Iowa hasn't done. I mean, flukes happen. Okay, so you're calling the win against Kansas a fluke? Yeah, pretty much. They played ten times. How many? Who's winning who? Seriously, let's be honest. I'm a you and I fan. Are you kidding me? Are you trying to pin me into this quarter? I'm a you and I fan. Are you saying that wasn't a fluke? How many times out of ten? Does you and I beat Kansas? Twice. Be honest. Twice. Okay. That's not a fluke. They did it, though. Are, are they taking that away? I don't, I don't understand. You know what? I appreciate your honesty there. That was some honest trick, Condon. Panther Homer. So you get what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if it's a fluke or not. They did it. Right. 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 They freaking did it, and it was awesome. I got goosebumps. I jumped up. I didn't know I had that vertical lead. I'll leave for Oakland. I did not know I had that. When Iowa played Villanova, they lined that up 50 times. I don't know if Iowa wins one of those games, but if they would have won that game, they would have went on to the Sweet 16, and that'd be something. But they don't have that. You know, Iowa, the last time that they've won a game in the NCAA, I mean, you, you look at just, look at the success. Look at the success here for you and I. They've been to seven tournaments. 
They've won at least a game their last no, three since, times there. Since what year, Trent? I'm sorry. Since what year? Uh, go, 20 years is what I said. Are you just talking overall their basketball career? What are you talking I, about? I, I said over the last 20 years. That's okay, where I started. Guys, 20. 20 years. Since Dr. Tom departed, who's been more successful? Ooh, that's a good. That's a nice cutoff. I like that. I like that. Okay, that's where I started this. You kept moving the goalposts, dude. I'm out in Clear Lake, man. You're cutting in and out here and there, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Back, back to the Big Four Classic. But this argument. Oh, you going. didn't like your argument there. You didn't want to go any further. I, I went as far as I went. I, I laid it out there, and you couldn't get to the point in seven minutes. I, I got to move on. If you're not going to listen, I got I got to keep moving here. I got to keep oh. moving. So sorry, sorry. All right. Drake will come in and play a single game in Carver-Hawkeye. Fine. Maybe you and I down the road after their hurt feelings are done, they'll decide, you know what, we will, we will make a way and we'll, we'll be a one-off game. I don't know if that's going to happen in recent, but it'll happen, I'm sure, at some point. It'll come back in some capacity. It's just it's disappointed, disappointing for me for basketball fans because if I had the option of watching you and I, Iowa, or Savannah State, Iowa, I know where I'm going. Drake, even bad Drake teams, I'd certainly rather see Iowa play Drake than I would watching them take on Maryland Eastern Shore. Well, everybody talks about Iowa playing Bryant. I'd love to see them play Kobe. That'd be, that'd be fun. Kobe not, probably would think he could win that. I would guess. The, the, it's not Kobe. Point. This is a small school out east that uh, oh, never mind. went 3-28 and last year. That's who they're taking on instead. Hey, if this leads to Iowa going out and playing a home-and-home again, remember when they had Kansas in the home-and-home? Happened my freshman year. They went down do. there. They ended the long non-conference winning streak out of the Jayhawks down at Allen Fieldhouse. Bring that. They played Missouri. They played Arizona State. They've had these games in the past. True home and homes. I'm not talking about playing in an exempt tournament. Not talking about that. A true home and home. If that happens, absolutely. Sign me up. That is good. My concern over the last eight years now of Fran McCaffrey and seeing the way that he builds his non-conference schedule is we're not going to see that. They already have the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Well, when's the last time they played somebody really, really good? They played North Carolina one year when you had Marcus Page and the connection there, and they knocked them off. And outside of that, in the last 15 years, it's been a lot of Wake Forest and Florida State. This year they get Pittsburgh. Not a whole lot there. And the Gavit games, they took on a good seat and Hall team a couple years ago. Marquette, those are decent, but I want to see more. I want to see a true home-and-home. If that happens, I'm not going to yell, but Fran, well, we've seen what he likes to schedule. Well, come on no. down, come on down, Savannah State. <laughs> well, Savannah, yeah. Um, so I'm interested. I will continue to ask you this because I'm gonna, I want, I'm gonna back you into a corner here. Okay. Yeah. Are you cool? Because what I thought I heard from you either yesterday or the day before, yesterday probably would have been. I don't think you were cool with Iowa just saying. Yeah, we'll play you and I, but you got to come to Carver every year. Right. That's a no for you, right? Well, I know it's a no from the you and I perspective. I know it's a no why? from the Tell NBC perspective. Tell me why. Where else are they going to go? That's weird. So they could just schedule any big – that's true. They probably could schedule any Big Ten program they want mm-hmm. if they want to go there. They but they won't. They could schedule any Big 12 program if they want to go there. I get that. But you're also going to play Iowa. It's going to be a big thing in the media with us, with you guys, with everybody that you and I and Iowa are back playing, and can you and I beat Iowa? They're mad. I mean, there's a rivalry now. You and I is mad that we're not going home-and-home series, even though you and I does not deserve that, and you know they don't deserve a home-and-home series. I guess you could argue with 3-1 to or something like that. 
if you're an Iowa AD and everybody kills Barta Trent, look at it. Get in Barta's shoes right now. In his Adidas and his Reeboks, his Nikes, his Under Armour. Get him right right now. What would you do if you were Barta? Would you risk the chance of going to Northern Iowa and losing, or would you like to have your home crowd, even though there will be a few thousand UNI fans, which actually will help out, you know, your selling of the tickets that early in the year because we never play anybody, Trent, as you pointed out thousands of times, and you should do it another thousand. What's I mean, you're Gary Barter right now. Get in, get in his uh, Adidas. And and I'm looking to schedule a bye game, or I'm no no. You're the AD. That's all. I, that's I will just leave it at that. You are the AD of Iowa. You are Gary Barter right now. What do you do with Drake and you and I? Oh, I'm not. I'm not you doing. You want to keep your job and I'm, make money. I'm not with the way the schedule is constructed now with 20 games in the Big Ten, with the Gavit games, with the ACC Big Ten Challenge, with the Iowa State game in there, and then you have an exempt tournament. We're talking about they have five games available. That are left. Five games. So make four of those by games and play a home-and-home. And And play a home-and-home and and call up Missouri. Hey, let's do this again. Let's run it back. Call Creighton. And you know what? Let's do a home-and-home with them. Not play a neutral court game here in Des Moines. Let's do a true home-and-home. That's what I would do. Do something. When's the last big, outside of Iowa State, what's the last time a big-time opponent came into Carver-Hawkeye? Don't you have... Why why do we get this, Trent? We get this. Go on, please. Why... We're talking about season ticket holders. Why are you going to shell out for season tickets to see another matchup with and also ran a, a bottom 300 team in college basketball? Oh, it's 19 games that you get with the home schedule. Give them something. Give them something to get excited about because if, if you can afford tickets, season tickets, and you get two or four or whatever it may be, all right, you're good. But if you're doing that, can you also afford then to, oh, they're going to Maui this year. I guess we're going to make that trip to actually see them play somebody good in the non-conference. <laughs> or, and you don't build up your fan base and their passion. Yeah. And they're wanting to go there. And people actually getting out of their seats and clapping. I mean, I totally agree with you. Some of this, like, this neutral site crap, I'm sick of, man. Seriously, I'm sick of it. Let's mm-hmm. have a home and home. I, I totally agree with you. Totally. Carver needs some early games that mean some bleep instead of going to other cities and other, you know, beach destinations or whatever. I totally agree with you. I used to have season tickets, not just at college, for years and years in high school and after. I'm done going there, man. I ain't making a two-hour drive to go that place. It's boring. It's Get some games going at the beginning of the year that people care about. Get them amped up to follow this team. Get them excited early, not late, when it's already too late. And then, oh, great, we sold out our last game, Trent or second-to-last game, or third-to-last game. So what? Get it going. Get the momentum going early, man. You got me going, man, and this UNI stuff, I tried to paint you in the corner. So you were Gary Barta. Just, I just want you to clarify, you said you would not play UNI. Is that right? Correct. No. Correct. I love your honesty, man. Seriously. Doesn't mean I have to like it, but no, absolutely not. I would not do that. There is, there's not a doubt in my mind. Because why? UNI is really good. Yeah, yeah, they can they can be good, and they got AJ Green coming in a top one hundred player, and we'll see if they can find any big guys. But they're gonna be good going forward. Do you know the last time a power conference team outside of Iowa State or the ACC Big Ten Challenge played in Carver? Do you know the last time? Oh gosh, um, oh, you say a power conference? Yes, yeah, a power oh, conference God, team. This is embarrassing. I don't know this. Uh, big. 12. I could sit here and go Big Twelve, and I probably figure it out. But no, no, I don't. 
Well, I'm I'm scrolling through here and I'm looking and I am. Oh, okay. Let's go Big Twelve. Nobody, right? No, no. You have to go back. Big Missouri, 10, I remember nobody. played there for you know that was a part, but we're going back a long, it's long. Florida ways. State, Florida State, right? Well, and not counting the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, Big where, 12, where Big Iowa 10. scheduled on their own without the connection there when Iowa scheduled a power conference team to come in. Gotcha. Um, man, oh, man. So our point is ridiculously valid. Well, we're, I, I'm already back a decade, and it hasn't happened to this point. <laughs> I mean, we're going. We're going back. I'm back now. I'm back in the Licklider era, and I have just finished the Licklider era. Now I am down to Steve Alford. Oh my golly, man! Yeah. So this is what I'm talking about. What? Exactly. This is not good for the Carver crowd. The people that are spending their money to go there and want to be there. Oh, I like found I it. Said. I found it. Oh golly! I found Give it. Give me a year. Can you tell me a year? Two thousand. The two thousand five, two thousand six season. That was Alford, right? Uh, that was that was the good Alford team that uh, crapped the bed against Northwestern State. Oh, man. No, I don't. It was Arizona State. Virginia Tech? Oh. A- Arizona State. Virginia Tech, that's ACC again. That's ACC that's again right. and part of the challenge. That. I can't remember that. Yeah. Arizona State, who was terrible at the time, they scheduled a home-and-home. Home. I remember they went out there and lost a game to a bad Arizona State team the year prior, but that was the last time. So you have to go back to 2005. The last time Iowa welcomed and hit, played a true home-and-home. Home. 14 years, Wolfgang. They haven't played a home-and-home home with anybody from the power conference structure. So why is this good for college basketball? Why is this good for the growth? I mean, I understand the student-athletes want to go to you know, all the beach places and understand that. I don't understand the neutral crap. So if you could explain that to me, I don't get why that makes a fan base better. I understand maybe it takes it to another fan base. I get that a little bit. I do. But Carver needs some of those games early to get the crowd going, understand what it means to be a fan. It's like they don't get it until it's way late. But I don't know. It's I appreciate your honesty about the UNI thing. I know you're passionate about that, and you're passionate about your Panthers and also Hawkeyes and all these things. But I know that's hard with you with the Panthers. For you to admit that, that was cool, man. You are no Skip Bayless, I tell you that. No Skip Bayless. With that... We're done. We'll let you get back to sunning and funny. Enjoy your weekend in uh, Clear Lake, and we'll talk to you on Monday, all right? Thanks, brother. See you. Bye-bye. That's Wolfgang checking in. Give him a follow on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. Yeah, I can admit it. I can admit it. If I was the Iowa athletic director, I wouldn't schedule that. If I'm Frey McCaffrey, I'm not scheduling a home-and-home home with you and I. But do something. That's my argument here. Do something. You now have flexibility. This neutral court game is gone. You're not playing you and I and Drake every year. That's all well and good. If, if they're willing to come in as a bye game, take their check and, and play the one game in Carver, you do it. That's fine. But if not, go out and do more. Do more with the non-conference schedule. Give something back to the people that shell out for the scheduling, for the season tickets. That's what I'm asking. That's what I want to see. Same thing at Iowa State. Iowa State, now's the time. You got the SEC Big 12 Challenge, but do more. Missouri's coming in. That's a start. It's a start. They have 18 games versus the 20 now that's happening in the Big Ten, and they'll have even more flexibility. We'll see. Let's hope that's the case. More good games, less Savannah States. That's my calling card.
With that, we're coming back on the other side. We got Seth Gruen stopping in. little Major League Baseball talk as we get ready for the sports weekend. A big one. A lot of good baseball series going on this weekend. Cubs, Cardinals certainly at the forefront of that. We'll get into that more coming up on the other side. Seth Gruen, he'll join us as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Stay right there. Jimmy B and TC were presented by Christopher's Coin on Merle Hay Road. Great place to stop out, have some old coins, wondering what they're worth, looking to get into collecting, bringing somebody in to collect with you. Christopher's Coin can help you out. We're back with more in a moment. And we are back, Jimmy B and TC, with you until 6 o'clock tonight on a beautiful, hot, sun-drenched Friday. It's been a good it's one hot. out there. Yes, and it's going to be a good weekend, Jimmy B. Father's Day weekend. We got the U.S. Open, World Cup. Yep. Incredible game earlier today. Really enjoyable with Portugal and Spain. And a really big baseball weekend. And joining us right now to talk about that, our good friend from Bleacher Report, Seth Gruen, who joins us today. Seth, what's happening? Uh, not too much, and great to hear that, that you guys are fans of the World Cup. Doesn't get enough love, I know, without the U.S. in it. Uh, not going to be as many eyeballs on it, but still a great event, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. I, I really enjoyed watching this afternoon, and unfortunately I turned my head and missed two of the goals, but there were six scored. I mean, that, that's an enjoyable soccer match, no doubt about it. It is. It's just not the same, though, having the U.S. not there. Uh, I talked to a bar owner that, that is one of our clients here, and they mentioned just the, there's not a whole lot of traction here. If U.S. Nope. was there, they know they'd have a full house. But outside of that, kind of difficult to get the, the casual fan involved. Yeah, and it's you know, kind of the only time in international competition that the U.S. gets to embrace this underdog role. Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at the Olympics, look at all these international basketball tournaments, uh, you know, even the World Baseball Classic to a degree, though to a lesser degree, the U.S. is always the favorite. So um, that's one of the reasons I love the World Cup so much. Not playing soccer and things of that nature and just enjoy the sport. But, yeah, sad to see the U.S. isn't in it, but we, we still got baseball here. Got to keep us occupied. Well, and a big weekend in your city as uh, Chicago, the Cubs getting ready to take on the Cardinals. This, uh, well, it'll be a, a national event, both Saturday night and Sunday night with Fox and then over to ESPN on Sunday night down in St. Louis. How big is this series? I mean, it's it's a three-game set out of 162, but momentum-wise, do, do you feel like this could maybe be a turning point for one of these teams that they could go out and find a way to sweep? Yeah, I mean, look, I look at it more numerically. Uh, I know everybody has their different filter and a common narrative. At least the narrative coming out of both clubhouses will be, look, we're, we're sitting here in June, there's a lot of baseball left to be played, but I think it's all about the kind of lead that you can substantially build heading into, oh, the last six weeks of the season. I always say when kids go back to school, that's when you want to know where you stand, and that's when you want to be ahead uh, of everybody else. And, you know, the way I look at this three-game series, you know, potentially the possibility of a sweep, um, there's you know, a chance here to put some distance between you and the Cardinals where they sit. Um, and the way I look at it, you know, as the Cubs sit, what, now four games ahead, I believe, in the division. Um, you know, that, that's about a week of baseball. I think that mm-hmm. one, the Cubs could play a bad week, the Cardinals could play a good week, and, and, and those teams could be tied. Then, then you, 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 if you're able to get seven games ahead, you say, oh, okay, that's a, couple, that's a couple of weeks of baseball. That's a couple of weeks of bad baseball. You know, you, you, then you, you take the next week. You go to 10, 11. That's three or so weeks of bad baseball. So it's, it's about what kind of cushion 
you can give yourselves. And I know it's somewhat abstract, but if you look at this thing in, in three and four game blocks, and sort of every three or four games represents represent a week of baseball that has to go your way and has to go the other direction for the other team, you just want to build up as much as you can. And, and look, let's say the Cubs go in and, and, and sweep this series and then have another great week of baseball the following week and the Cardinals don't play as well. Well, then very quickly in the blink of an eye, you're looking at potentially a double-digit gap between the two teams. I know that sounds like a lot right now, but things can turn very quickly in a week and and I think it's important to put some distance between yourself and everybody else in the division. Seth Gruen is our guest. We're talking Major League Baseball. All right, Seth, that's all well and good, and I understand you're talking about separation. But with the first-place Milwaukee Brewers, should Cub fans still be concerned? Could Milwaukee still be a team once we get into August that could still find itself at the top of the division? Absolutely. Uh, and I've maintained that for several years now that Milwaukee is going to enter an era in which it is competitive for the NL Central. And I've said this when we talk about it on your program, that I really believe in what David Stearns is building there in Milwaukee. Um, and I think that the Stearns-Epstein sort of GM, president of baseball operations rivalry, however you want to categorize it, is going to become uh, a narrative in baseball in the next two, three, four years as, as Milwaukee really comes into its own and into its prime and as a lot of their prospects develop, not only on the major league level, excuse me, but, you know, matriculate from the minor league level to the major league club. Uh, there's going to be a year, uh, guys, when the Cubs are, are playing in that one-game wild card. Um, it's just going to happen. The Brewers are going to win the NL Central at some point, and I know Cubs fans, don't like to hear that, that what Cubs fans are sold as far as this rebuild is concerned is this decade of dominance in the division, somewhat like the Braves had. It's just not going to happen because the Brewers have caught up to them and, and, you know, the Cardinals are always a nuisance. But, yeah, I mean, answer your question, Jimmy. Heck yeah, I believe in this ball club. Speaking of believing, uh, last night I saw Glaber Torres hit yet another homer for the Yankees. And we talk about... Obviously, at the top with Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge and all the other stars of this team. But what Torres is putting together, this has been outright incredible. The Yankees, they built it back up. Are we looking at, speaking of a decade of domination out of the Cubs, can we be looking at the same of the Yanks? Yeah. Look, I, I, this could be one of the dominant eras of Yankee baseball. And I think, uh, I've also said this before, that Brian Cashman, a couple of years ago when he traded Araldis Chapman and was able to, and Andrew Miller for that matter, and was able to get such a haul of prospects add, added on to what was already a burgeoning system. He proved that he can do a heck of a lot more than write checks. And I think he's one of the great baseball executives we have, in the top five, top six, or seven. He's right there. And it's easier to do when you have deeper pockets. Uh, but with he, what he was able to do in leveraging what was a rental on Araldus Chapman for, for what was at the time of his, in, at the time of his injury, uh, Glaber Torres was the number two prospect in all of baseball behind Yon Mancata, to me was very impressive. And now we're seeing it pay dividends at the major league level. Araldus Chapman isn't on the Cubs anymore. And uh, Glaber Torres is tearing it up for the Yankees as an everyday position player. 
So it, it, it's in some respects, I think, and, and I know I'm deviating from the question, but it's in some respects, when you look at it from the Cubs' perspective, and we do that obviously a lot here in Chicago, mm-hmm. it's emblematic of how important pitching is because it's so costly. It's not only costly in dollars and you have to spend in free agency, but it's also costly when you approach the trade deadline and say, hey, I need to show up my bullpen or I need another starter. With, with what you're talking about like that, then, with teams going to try to start to make moves, is it Manny Machado who moves first, or is it going to be somebody else in your estimation? That's a great question. Um, uh, uh, from the Orioles' perspective, uh, they've always been an 11th hour team. They've always dealt with the 11th hour. They've always signed free agents, both into March and address roster concerns really just a week or two before uh, pitchers and catchers are set to report to camp. So based on how they've operated, um, I'd say that somebody else would be moved first. Now, given the fact that Machado has said he's going to go into free agency, he becomes more valuable as an asset the sooner you can get him. Now, you could argue that he becomes cheaper and cheaper, as the weeks go on, but I think somebody's going to look at him and say, we can win a World Series if we pull the trigger on, on this deal. So I don't think time is necessarily going to diminish his value in terms of what he's going to command in prospects. So that's certainly a school of thought I understand and, and, and I'm open-minded to. I just don't buy into it. Um, I, I think I could see a team trying to make a power play at the beginning, but just based on at the beginning of the so-called trading season, but just based on the fact that Orioles have just always been this 11th hour ball club. I'm going to say that somebody else gets moved first. Last thing for you, Seth, and uh, well, a little bit of a of question that pertains to me, but Miguel Sano, I mean, you, you talk about a guy being demoted a year ago at this time. He's getting ready to play in his first All-Star game. Now he's sent all the way down to single-A Fort Myers. What's going on with the Twins' third baseman? I don't know, because he was one of those prospects who you looked at and said, he's part of this Minnesota Twins core. And I think it's been probably, certainly in this era of we're going to build through the minor league system, this Theo Epstein-driven, all about young, controllable minor league players type era. I know uh, it's a little wordy, but this to me, the whole Minnesota Twins situation has been and such so head-scratching to me. So, no, three, four years ago, when they barely missed the wild card in the American League, was you know considered one of their great prospects, maybe the greatest, maybe the one with the most potential when you talk about even Max Kepler and, and Byron Buxton. And, and now, for me, when I see somebody demoted like this, it, it sort of screams mental issues mental hurdles that he can't clear because certainly he's got the talent. Seth, out of time for today. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We'll do it again soon, all right? All right, you got it, guys. That's Seth Gruen checking in from Chicago, getting ready for Cubs-Cardinals down in St. Louis this weekend and a whole lot more baseball. Should be a good weekend overall, Jimmy B. We, we got a lot happening. We got baseball, U.S. Open. We got the yep. World Cup. It's... It's a good weekend in June, no doubt. Looking forward to it. And 
We got more still to come coming up on the other side. We're going to be bringing in Dr. Stephen Fuller from Fuller Family Dentistry in our Hawkeye Swarm segment brought to you each and every week by Fuller Family Dental. We're going to look back 20 years ago today, Jim, and we're going to go back to 20 years ago when Kirk Ferentz was hired. Most everybody believed that it was going to be Bob Stoops who was going to get that job. He took the Oklahoma job, and the rest is history. Jimmy B., what were you doing 20 years ago? 20 years ago, let's see. So we're talking, what, 1998, roughly, right in there? 1998, where was I? Uh, Probably in an airplane flying to do a game someplace. Gotcha. (laughs) That would be be where I would be at that particular time. Yes, it, it would be. Your jet-setting ways have settled down now. I was. Yes, that is right. That's okay. We're coming back out of the other side. The Hawkeye Swarm is next on 1700. Back with another edition of the Hawkeye Swarm on 1700 KBGG. Trent Condon with Dr. Stephen Fuller of Fuller Family Dentistry. And, Doc, uh, we're going to go back 20 years ago, two decades ago. It seems impossible, but as we uh, await the 20th year of Kirk Ferentz, We're going to go back to around that time period when he was hired after Hayden retired, and uh, we were all waiting for Bobby Stoops. 20 years ago, seems like yesterday, doesn't it? It does, and and it's, you know, they did a nationwide search uh, for a replacement for Hayden Fry, and uh, everybody was putting their money on Bobby Stoops, Mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, uh, after Bobby... uh, interviewed and and decided to take the job down at Oklahoma and then he won a national championship that first season and uh Kirk didn't do so well that right. first season and everybody's really jumping on the well, bandwagon year two for Stoops. Yeah. It's his second year. Uh, second year. Yep. But he he did fairly well the first year. He did. He got yeah. him back to bowl eligibility and Oklahoma was down. And they were down. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't the, as for people, maybe younger people listening right now, you think, Oklahoma's been good. This was a time period in the 90s where they made a couple of bad hires. They had sanctions that were handed down to them. This was not Oklahoma as you currently think it or think of it back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. No, it wasn't Barry Schweitzer's uh, no, program. No. I mean, you know, you knew uh, Oklahoma and Nebraska were going to be playing for the uh, Big 8 championship almost every year. It was, you know, it was just a given. And, uh, you know, Bobby took the recruits that uh, the previous coach left him and, and molded them and, and did some great things. And, and, you know, Hawk fans were really down because mm-hmm. uh, they felt we got shortchanged. But uh, here we are 20 years later, and I, I still think, uh, as I did then, we have a great hire yep. in uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz. And, and uh, I... I hope he stays around, and you know, as long as he wants to stay around. I mean, w- look at the thing improvements that have uh, occurred since he's come on staff. People, I don't think, realize the difficult nature of the Iowa job, and people think that it, it's a job that you should be competing at a higher level. It's just the reality is, it's not going to happen. No, this is, I don't want to say this is as good as it can get because certainly there's coaches out there that probably even could do a better job in terms of wins and losses. But you couple what Kirk Ferentz is as a person, as a leader of men, with what he does on the football terms in terms of wins and losses, I don't think you're going to find a better combination of that. I don't think so either. I mean, and, you know, he he and his wife do so much for the University of Iowa. I mean, uh, 
and their donations and and their time and and uh you know they reach out to fans and uh it it is i mean at the university of iowa no matter what coaching position you are you're you're under you're under a microscope mm-hmm. and you know because unfortunately this is our professional team and and uh we want the hawks to do well and uh living in Iowa City uh in it's a smaller community and you you can't get around that town without seeing one of the coaches and and you know it's got to be tough on their uh you know their home life per se because they have no place to go uh to grab a quick bite to eat without fans uh, coming over to them right and that was one of the reasons why I, I Lou Olson and Bobby Olson left for Arizona get out get out of the weather get away from the fishbowl yep that was a part of it too so Bob Stoops everybody it felt like thought he was just taking over his father was buried in an Iowa Jersey he played football at Iowa he was the hot coordinator nationwide Stoops coming home. And the way the story that I have always heard it is he interviewed at Iowa. Mary Sue Coleman was the president. Bob Bowlesby, the athletic director, a few other people were in on there. He uh, told them that he also had an offer from Oklahoma. He needed a decision quickly. Iowa said, well, we still do have one more interview that we're going to do, and we are going to do that because we promised that to this person. It was Kirk Ferentz. During that time period, while the Ferentz interview was happening, Stoops decided well, I, I can't wait around. I have Oklahoma that has offered me, and, and they want an answer now. He decides to take the Oklahoma offer. It worked out for both parties, but that's the way that I've always heard it. Similar story that you've heard? I, I heard that pretty similar to that, but I heard he excused himself during his interview. It was prior to uh, you know Kirk Ferentz's interview and uh, went into the out into the hallway and then came back in and said, I'm no longer a candidate for the University of Iowa job, oh, really? and uh, I've accepted the job down at Oklahoma because Bobby thought the job was his to refuse, mm-hmm. and he he just you know he thought it was going to be handed to him on a silver platter that it was a, just a formality that uh, he was going to go through. He thought he was the heir apparent, and and uh, it, hey. It might have been great to have Bobby Stoops here, and and because you know the Stoops brothers uh, contributed so much to, to the University of Iowa, and and uh, you know they were very successful, and uh, I I just think he put the cart before the horse, and yeah. and uh, he figured he was it, and they didn't need to interview anybody else, and so he you know put his eggs in his basket and went to Oklahoma. So I'm a student at Iowa. I'm a freshman during this time. So I got to see Hayden's final season, which was a disaster. And uh, that time period, after Stoops announced that he was going to Oklahoma, and I remember that press conference, and I, I was raging upset how, how this guy turned how, – how can you turn down your alma mater? I, I was upset. But there was that short window of time. Well, if it's not Stoops, who's it going to be? Who Who is it? And I'll tell you who I was a proponent of. He didn't even interview for it. Now, I was dead against Terry Allen. That was Bowlesby's guy with them at UNI. I, 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 no way. No way, and thank goodness that didn't happen. But I said the heck with it. All right, Iowa was terrible last year in Hayden's final season. Go out, get Terry Bowden, who had just uh, got Auburn on probation, but had led him to a 13-0 record. 
go down there, bring it about. You know what? They might end up on probation, but at least they'll be good for a couple of seasons before that. That, that was my mentality <laughs> as a 19-year-old. Now, <laughs> looking back, that was a little bit stupid, but that's what I was thinking at the time. Do you remember any other names, though? Because outside of Terry Allen, Bob Stoops, and then ultimately Kirk Ferentz, who was a, a footnote during the, the coaching search, I can't think of any other names. The, the names, you know, I don't recall them now, but when you heard the list, it was, I mean, basically it was Bobby Stoops and Kirk Ferentz. And, and, uh, but Kirk Ferentz, at least to me, I remember reading the newspaper and – He'd be like the fifth guy listed. Yeah. And I, I know Chuck Long did interview. Yes. And, you know, that was not a fit because mm-hmm. uh, Chuck really had no uh, uh, head coaching experience. Right. He was on uh, Hayden Fry's staff. And uh, my understanding is he wasn't real productive on uh, Hayden Fry's staff. And, uh, you know, uh, Kirk kept him on. And then he ended up uh, leaving and going down to Oklahoma. Right. And then he ended up uh, going out to San Diego and coaching, I think, out there for two or three years before uh, he came back to Iowa and and, uh, is now uh, working with the Iowa games. Yeah, doing that, also working on the Big Ten Network. And you see him uh, from time to time in Iowa City calling the games and doing a lot of studio work there with Chuck Long. Another name, uh, Bobby Elliott. and Bobby Elliott. That was one where if he wouldn't have got sick – that might have been the guy. That might have been the guy. Um, you know, I think they were somewhat worried about his health mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how, you know, unfortunate it was that, it, you know, circumstances just didn't play out in Bobby's favor. And, and uh, he ended up leaving uh, the university and going to Iowa State for a few years. So we fast forward from that little window, who's it going to be? And they announced Kirk Ferentz and a collective who is Kirk Ferentz went across. This is a guy that was an assistant coach for nearly 10 years and throughout the 80s, but he didn't have the same cachet. He didn't have the name brand of a Barry Alvarez. Uh, Now, these guys obviously went on to become head coaches, but this was a very nondescript hire. It was met with, I think, a collective yawn across Hawkeye Nation. Well, he wasn't a real known commodity. I mean, everybody you know that knew Iowa football knew that he could uh, coach your offensive lines, and and uh, and there's no splash. I mean, you know what you see with Kirk is what you get, and and you know he's not he doesn't want to be in the limelight per se, and uh, but I don't think anybody's going to outwork him, and uh, and he's going to stick up for his players uh, all the way through, and and he's going to work with them and work as hard as they do, you know, and uh, and it's led to great success, and he he's a great fit for the University of Iowa. It's worked out well. Our look back today with the Hawkeye Swarm and Dr. Stephen Fuller with the twenty years ago the hiring of Kirk Ferentz. What a time! Yeah, happy birthday. Yes, I, <laughs> or is it an anniversary? Considering my, my hair was a lot darker, <laughs> my waistline was a lot thinner back twenty years ago. But oh, here we I, are, and well, still good things going on. Good things in Iowa football, and Kirk gets ready for year number twenty. And with the renovation of uh, Kinnick Stadium again, yes, <laughs> always moving parts. Good stuff this week, Doc. You have a good week. So there was the Hawkeye Swarm, a look back 20 years ago as Kirk Ferentz hired as the Iowa football coach. And 20 years later, he is still there getting ready.
for the 20th season leading the Hawkeye football program. Jim, as we get out of here today, what uh, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? you got a lot of great options, actually. Uh, you do, uh, and I will be dialed into the U.S. Open um, just because I like golf. I will sample, obviously, uh, the World Cup. I will do that. I, I enjoyed watching Ronaldo score three goals today for Portugal. That was absolutely astounding. Um, and I'll do some baseball. You know, Cubs cards is, it's always, that's always a fun series, but it's the middle of June and it's, you know, it doesn't mean like, oh my God, I have got to make sure I watch all, all the games here. No, it's not like that. Uh, but I will, I will partake in some of that as well. Um, and I'll probably find a swimming pool someplace <laughs> to splash around in. I gotta do that. This is just so hot. Yeah, that that is a good one. That's something that also needs to be done this weekend. Gonna be a hot one out there. Stay safe, everybody. Should be a fun weekend overall. Happy Father's Day to all the great dads out there. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Starting at noon, myself and Ken Miller. And then on your drive home right here with Jimmy B and TC. We'll talk to everybody Monday. Have a great weekend.